So when I was writing this book, you know, Angelina, um, the main character, I, I felt that it was almost kind of necessary for me to include that in her in the opening scene of her dreaming that um, was important because as you said it is kind of that character development and when it comes to dreams I like to put that dream in there because you know the dream could signify so many things it could signify you know maybe like a past life memory or a, a deep dark fear that you know is like just deep within you yeah. it just dreams signify so many things yeah. and I felt like with opening you know that that scene with her having that nightmare it set up the stage yeah well what was to come JCV Art Studio. Yeah, that's my name. That's my name. I'm changing it up. I am going to be doing some podcast art in the next uh, couple of weeks. Again, I'm thinking about branding. I'm I'm thinking about lots of things. I uh, walk that dog up the hill and that's where I get all my best ideas. So today I have paranormal fantasy author I'm even going to throw in there mystery author Christine Gabriel on the podcast. Christine and I are going to talk about her novel, Crimson Forest, which is the first in her Crimson Chronicle series. Christine, welcome. We've had this planned for a few months now, haven't we? We sure have. Thank you for having me. Good. All right. Good. So I got to ask some different questions with this book, which was really cool. Um, and um, I just want to start with a preface, okay? <laughs> okay. So, so even with the preface of Crimson Forest and what you have written there, I was wondering, okay, do you consider yourself a realist, a spiritualist, a romantic or a combination of all of the all of the above. I would say I'm a good combination of all of the above. Um, I'm really not just one thing. Um, I'm a realist when it comes to certain things that are going on in the world. Um, I'm a spiritualist when it comes to the greater powers that be. There's a lot of unexplainable things in the world, um, and you know, just really, it's just all three. All three. I, I feel like if I was just one thing. I might not be as creative as I am. 
Good point. Excellent point. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. <laughs> so, so Crimson Forest, it's the first in the series. And can you tell, or I'm, I have the book here. If you're wondering what I'm doing, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the cover, right? In the dark, the dark forest and the red and the pendant. And so can you tell our listeners what Crimson Forest is about? Sure. It uh, follows the story of Angelina Adams. As she's growing up, she loses her father um, to the forest. There's a lot of mysterious things that happen in this forest. And, you know, it's one of the, the largest hunting areas in the United States. So while these hunters are out and about, they see mystical beings, there's rumors, you know, old legends, you know, people are afraid to go out at night. So they go in big hunting groups, um, things like that. And as her father goes missing, um, other odd things start to happen. So it kind of follows her and her mom. And then, um, you know, she suddenly suddenly loses her mother um, to something awful and she has to head to the forest. So what happens inside? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's so good and some of it's not so good. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Okay. So how many books are in this series? And um, yeah, first of all, I just want to ask you that one before I get on the next question. So how many books are in this series? When I originally wrote this, the first book in the series, Crimson Forest, I wasn't too sure on how many I wanted to wanted there to be. Um, my publisher really enjoyed the story. So she asked me to make it a very long series. And at first I was gung-ho about it. I was excited. I, I thought, you know, 10 books, here we go. Woo. And then I came out with book two. Um, I'm currently working on the end of book three. And I know with certainty that book four will be the conclusion. Okay. Okay. So then that leads me to the next, right into the next question, because for me, you know, I keep hearing about series arcs and I haven't given any consideration to that. Okay. And uh, so book one came out, book two, I'm working on book three and my heroine reveals something about herself with the situation. And I didn't know whether book three was going to be the end of the series, but as it happens, it's now the complete opposite. It's like, boom, <laughs> hold right. on. They take right. on a life of their own and yeah. you know, you don't really know until you get to that point yeah. on how many there are going to be, I feel like, until the story tells you yeah. how many there are going to be. So you're finding that with I am book four I now? Already, yeah, I actually already know how I'm going to end it. Oh wow. Okay. So okay. I'm curious now. So when this story kind of like, because you, you know, you're an author, you are so wrapped up in these stories, you know, right. like yeah. you're, I'm going for walks and I'm thinking of a scene. It's like the poor dog. I'm going to credit him and my acknowledgements <laughs> for going up that hill with me. Right. So, um, like when you are done this series, do you already have an idea of what next you might be doing like I don't want you giving anything away but it's almost like do you feel sometimes that one story kind of leaves and then something else comes in its place 
Absolutely. Um, one of the things I like to do is I'll take a long drive and I live in Ohio. So I live in um, like the country of Ohio. So there's a lot of hills and cornfields and forests. So as I'm driving, I tend to get a lot of book ideas. Yeah. And so the next book I'm going to be working on is going to be called The Shepherd's Clock. Ooh. Ooh, cool. So um, I like to write in multi-genre um, book settings. So this one's going to be a little bit different. Um, it's going to be more like a woman's fiction. And I'm pretty excited about it because the shepherd's clock um, is based on an old an old tale of the shepherd. He knew when to bring his flock in because, you know, um, the dandelions yeah. and how like you blow them and make a wish. Yeah. Well, when they would close, when they would start to close in the evening, that's how the shepherd knew to take his flock in. So and that's called the shepherd's clock. Cool. And the, this yeah. story deals, deals with, Those. I call it folklore, but it, it may not be folklore. Um, okay. So yeah. Okay. You're reading. Okay. I'm going to jump around here a bit. So I've put my, okay. my finger here. <laughs> so this book, I consider I call it folklore, okay? And um, I feel f like, because you talk about the red moss, which I thought was so cool. And you explain the story about the red moss, you know, and how tourists just flock to this area, this setting in the book about the red moss. Yes. So do you feel it, like to me, it added character? It's, it's Was that your goal or... It was, um, you know, around the world, there is a lot of unexplainable phenomena that take place. Like um, Whistler has the pink snow yeah. or in Australia, they have pink lagoons and pink lakes. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different things that are kind of unexplainable around the world. And I wanted to make it something that people could really go see for themselves. Wisconsin, where I um, placed the story. Yeah. I made sure that, you know, it, it is a real place. Yeah. Um, Buffalo County, Wisconsin. Um, they do really have the largest white tailed deer hunting season wow. in the United States. And they have old legends that take place in their forests. There have been cloaked figures caught on deer cameras. There have been fishermen who saw creatures um, wandering on the edges of the, of the lakes. So, and I, you know, I didn't even know some of these things until after I had written the story. So that also begs to ask the question of, you know, did the story want me to write it? You know, what, what don't we see that may really be there? You know, maybe our human eyes can't see certain things unless they want to be seen. Yeah. So I wanted to make, you know, the crimson, the crimson moss, something that people could actually see and then, you know, have them decide for themselves, you know, is it magical, you know, or is this simply just something that nature made? And how the moss kind of can take over because <laughs> I, exactly. right? I, right. I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but just how it kind of takes over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, and I've seen the pink snow in Whistler and it was, it was, it was really cool. The cr crazy thing is it was in the summer. So, you know, our daughter, our kids were small, smaller. And because it's summer, we're dressed in summer clothes. Right. Well, 
silly us, you go up to the top of the mountain where there's still snow. And uh, it's a little cold, okay, <laughs> wearing your shorts, right? My goodness, right. <laughs> you know, so then we're like, oh, well, that's fine. We're tough Canadians, right? <laughs> you know, and I remember the German tourists were looking at us like, whoa. <laughs> right? it's like, you know? That's what I would be. I could, I could handle shorts in the snow. We're in Ohio by the lake. So, yeah, right? <laughs> so, um. You know, but it, what it, what it was, so you could, oh God, you got me thinking now. Like, cause with <laughs> the, the pink snow though, it's at the, it's at the very bottom and it's algae that, cause it never melts. So you could really have fun with that. You absolutely. Imagine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you mentioned your multi-genre author. So how much of Crimson Forest would you say is romance, mystery, or fantasy? Like when I'm thinking of it, it's like all woven together. I agree. I agree. I, you know, I need to throw in some realism in there. Um, but, you know, I, I did want to have a romantic aspect to the story. Um, you know, people sometimes look their whole lives for a beautiful romance. And sometimes you know, looking, you, some people don't find it right away. So it's a beautiful moment in a book when you can open a book and read it and then you fall in love right along with that character. So I had to throw a little bit of romance in there, um, you know, and then the mystery, you got to keep them guessing. You got to keep that, those pages turning, you know, everybody loves a good mystery. And of course, you know, with the fantasy, oh, just when it comes to fantasy, I love to think outside of the box, you know, to imagine a world that could be. And it's really fun for readers to also imagine a world and think of what could be, what, what is, you know, the, all the possibilities that, you know, we, we just don't really know the world is so big and it's so great. And, you know, there are so many things that are hidden from us that we just haven't even found yet. So it's really cool to add that fantasy because way deep down in the back of your mind, that fantasy could become a possibility. You know what I mean? Do you know what? Yeah. It's, I think, and that's what makes it so fun, yeah. you know, because long after you're, you're done reading that book, you're going to sit there and you're going to think about like, what if? Yeah. That's, and that's and, what makes it fun. And those are, those are the books you remember. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So you and me, we put nightmares in our books. Yes. Uh, you're the third author I've in, I've interviewed who has nightmares in their novels. And I was just wondering, why do you think we do that? Like, um, like I, was, I even, I, when I was thinking about it, I thought, is it to show character development or to show stress? Why, why do you like including nightmares? Well, um, growing up, I suffered from night terrors, which I actually still suffer from. Wow. So when I was writing this book, you know, Angelina, um, the main character, I, I felt that it was almost kind of necessary for me to include that in her. And the opening scene of her dreaming that um, was important because, as you said, it is kind of that character development. And when it comes to dreams, I like to put that dream in there because, you know, the dream could signify so many things. It could signify, you know, maybe like a past life memory or a, a deep, dark fear that, you know, is like 
just deep within you. Yeah. It just dreams signify so many things. Yeah. And I felt like with opening, you know, that, that scene with her having that nightmare, it set up the stage yeah. for what was to come. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause I know with some of the nightmares I've put in my book, they're real. They were real nightmares. I experienced real nightmares. Yes. Yeah. And you feel them. And, you know, when you wake up from a nightmare or when even, I mean, at least when I do, I will like, I will sit there and I'll just like, it stays with me and it'll stay with me all day or a couple days. And then you start to wonder, like, did I sleep travel? Like what, what was going on there? So it, I, it was really nice to be able to set up the stage for her that way. And it set the tone uh, for how the book was going to be. Cause you know, in the first, the first chapter, um, it's a pretty devastating moment. Yeah. So it kind of set that tone up for the book. Yeah. My friend calls it a dream hangover, which, yeah, I love that. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. (laughs) And I find people who don't have nightmares. I know my spouse doesn't. And I tell him what I dreamt and he just looks at me like, Whoa, Joe, (laughs) right. But someone else, like you said, you had night terrors. Hey, Mm -hmm. yes. So I think Mm -hmm. that's the first I've heard of that. I take it. That's, even deeper. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. They, okay. they can get pretty, um, pretty wild. Yeah. Um, but they're so realistic when you wake up, you can't tell the difference between your dream or reality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So have you always been writing? I mean, and if you have, has it always been kind of the, the cross genres? Like, I want to know how long have you been writing for? Well, I've been writing since I was a little girl. Yes. Um, I was one of the unfortunate ones. Um, I was bullied relentlessly all throughout my childhood years. Um, I was the oldest in my family. And so I didn't really have a lot of people to, you know, to hang out with. I didn't have very many friends. So I spent a lot of time in my, my room and I created friends, you know, I gave them personalities. I gave them, you know, a life and, you know, writing different worlds and different ways to escape when I was younger. And that's actually what helped me get through, you know, my adolescent years, my teenage years, you know, and even, you know, the college years, that's what helped me just get away from, you know, the torment and the depression, because I was able to escape into these beautiful worlds with these beautiful people that I created. And it's like, no one can touch you. And no, I was strong. I was, you know, the heroine in every one of my stories. Yeah. No one can touch you when you're in, when you're in that creative realm, like no one can touch you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So would you say Angelina is your alter ego? Well, it's kind of funny because it didn't start out that way. Okay. Um, By the end of the story, I, she's absolutely 100%. She is me. And, you know, even when I reread it, because because I go back, you know, to make sure for the the third book in the series that everything matches up. I'm just like, wow. And it's so interesting to see yourself as a character. Um, It's it makes you feel a little a little different because you write you your emotions and your thoughts and 
your personality into a fictional character when you're a real person. So it's almost like you're living in two separate worlds. You know, you're living here on earth, but then you're living in the world of of print and fantasy. So that was a really neat thing to do and realize, you know, at the end of the book, I was like, wow, like Angelina is, you know, Christine Gabriel and Christine Gabriel is Angelina Adams. That's so cool. That's so cool. Okay. Because I know... I, I've I've been asked that question too, and um, about Jade, and I've said, yeah, yeah, I'd say she's my alter ego, you know. But I also remember, so my I remember watching. I don't know whether it was that used to play on Friday nights or Saturday nights, the original Sex in the City. Oh right, yeah, and um, with all four characters, and I remember the author. She had said that. Each one of the characters was a little bit of herself, you know, and I get that because I find, yeah, Jade may be my alter ego, but there's some of Sage that's a little bit of me, or there's some of Sage that I wish I could be, like just that, right, that, yeah. that, that tough, okay, don't mess with me, right? <laughs> you know? Exactly, exactly. My superpower, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, okay. So do you find that there's just, yeah, there, there's there's definitely, God, you know, I think about it with authors. We literally put our soul on our pages. We really do. And, right. you know, it's amazing when you put your, your fingers to a keyboard and the magic just flows. And sometimes you don't even know what you're writing. Yeah. It literally just comes from another place. And when it's all said and done and you look at it, it's, it's magical. You don't know how you did it. You know, they writer as writers, we struggle, right? We struggle with writer's block. We struggle, you know, with book titles and character names and all of these things. But sometimes, you know, you just put your fingers on that keyboard. Just, it's like, it's like magic. And then when it's all said and done and you type the end and you look back, you're like, how in the world did I do that? off right <laughs> right yeah and it's, it's such an amazing feeling yeah. um but it, it truly it's so magical yeah cool cool geez okay I, I can say I, I have your book right here and I keep looking at it and I'm thinking about book two and book three right so okay was there any scene that was difficult to write for personal reasons or logistic reasons um i know there have been some scenes for me that have been very uh i think it was more in book book one emotional because and i'm not meaning emotional that i'm you know you know tears are pouring down my eyes as i'm typing but just a bit raw with jade losing her mom okay that was more in book one so right now because i'm in that kind of that first draft bliss right with book three so you're not even thinking about right you're in the blissful stages (laughs) right (laughs) and um i'm now right now i'm working on this explosion scene and it's it's like uh, with you like i I have to see it happen right so it's it's and I don't know anything about explosions, so I'm probably going to be on YouTube looking at saying to the spouse, I need to find explosions, what happens, right? So 
For you, um, any scenes that were difficult to write for personal reasons or logistic reasons? Yes, there was one scene that I probably went through half a box of Kleenex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm a huge animal lover. Yeah. You know, I have I have five dogs yeah. and two ferrets. Oh. So we, you know, growing up, I just I've always had a soft heart for every living creature. Yeah. And in Crimson Forest, there is a, a wolf yeah. and his name is Cole. And he, this is going to be a spoiler, (laughs) Um, but he was one of my favorite characters to write because he is a protector and he loves his owner very, 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 very much. And, you know, we all know how loyal and loving, you know, dogs um, and other creatures are. So I, unfortunately, he 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 gives up his life for for Angelina. Yeah. Okay. And writing that scene was probably one of the hardest things I have done. Um, only because it was the death of an animal. Yeah. And I literally was like, oh, I can't, I can't, maybe I should just hit delete. But <laughs> I knew that because I had felt so much emotion. And as I'm typing it, the emotion is pouring out of me. I knew that my readers would, well, I hoped that they would feel it also. Yeah. And, and they do, yeah. which to me is, you know, to be able to share such raw emotion with other people is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. So even though it was extremely hard yeah. and I was emotionally tied to that, Um, it did, you know, embrace the fact of how loyal and beautiful and just wonderful, you know, the, the, the woodland creatures are, you know what I mean? So that was, that was tough. Me and Kleenex became a friend that night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's interesting because as you're saying that I'm thinking, and it's, it's book two where there's a scene with a dog. And the dog gets saved, but I, you put yourself in it, right? You put yourself there and it's just that thought. If you couldn't save one of your pets, God, right? Right. Right. I couldn't imagine a world without my fur babies. I couldn't, I couldn't. I love them all so very much. Yeah. So to have the loss of one, I mean, just the loss of one is that's, that's pain for a lifetime. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And I, it's. In, I saw to lighten it up a bit because I'm. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> We're both going to be reaching for Kleenexes soon, right? Um, I saw a cartoon on, I think it was on Facebook, where they were talking about the differences between dogs and cats. And I can't remember what they said dogs were. Um, they were saying something along the lines like, "Dogs are your best friends for life." It may have even been your joke that you had posted. I can't remember. And then they showed a picture of cats and they said, yeah, and cats are supermodels. (laughs) 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 So anyways, so your characters, like you said, um, there's so much that goes into with the characters. And I was thinking of Nikolai. So I was wondering Okay, kind of touching on what we mentioned, uh, I mentioned a bit earlier. So 
who was the inspiration for Nikolai or was he a combination? Like, did you gather like the best, you know, what you thought of people, you know, and, and combined to create Nikolai? Well, honestly, Nikolai came out of like thin air. He created himself. Um, as I'm typing, you know, away at the chapters, I didn't really even know that he was going to be a character. As I'm typing, I'm finding myself creating this, this man, this beautiful, um, just loyal and loving man. And I was like, well, what the heck? What, like, where did you come from, sir? And, you know, he has such a beautiful personality. Like when it comes to Angelina, he would move mountains for her. You know, he, he would wait lifetimes for her and just, you know, he's so intelligent and he's so witty and honest. So after I finished writing him into the book I took a step back and I was like you just wanted to be written didn't you 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 just wanted to be created so it was kind of a magical experience because when I write I base all of my characters off of people that I know I take their personalities I you know I'll even like change their name around to make it um so it's them so like Bethany, who is a character in the book, is named after a very good friend of mine named Bethany. So, so Nikolai is the only character in the entire book series that just created himself. Oh, that's neat. So he truly is a magical being. That is neat. That is that is so cool. Okay. So how have you found, you said, okay, so you know, people you know, have people asked you knowing that like, let's say book two or book three are out have people then asked you, Oh, am I so-and-so like, have you had that? I have had people ask me if they could be a character and some of the great contests that I've I've done, I've done in the past um, is that I will, the winner will get to be, have a short character role in, in my books, you know, to live forever in print is something that's so amazingly wonderful. So to be able to give somebody, you know, a reader, the opportunity to live in print forever is like one of the best gifts that I could possibly give one of my readers. So, you know, it's really kind of fun. Um, But I do have, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, Jeremiah, he is, you know, he is, he is in, he is in book one and in book two. Um, and he knows it (laughs) and he is a very strong, silent type of guy. And it's really funny because people who have read the book, um, his girlfriend, for example, she's, she's, she's a fan and she always, always telling, well, you know, my boyfriend, he's, he's in a book and he gets all red faced and he makes like, <laughs> So it's just so much fun to put people in books. You know, it's, they get to live forever, forever and ever in print forever. It's yeah. best gift ever. Or I find I'll, I'll say to someone, you know, like dream hangover. Carol Ann said that to me one day and I'll look at her and I'll say, can I use that line in my book? Right. <laughs> you know, and she'll right. be like, go yeah. for it, you know, or else, 
I'll say something and she'll be, she'll text me. Can I use what you said when we had coffee? Go for it. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind of, that's, I don't think I've ever used a real, actually I've had a real person be the motivation for a bad character. Okay. Ooh, right. That's what I've done. Yeah. Right. It was, um, someone who kind of portrayed themselves to me and it's like you are not who you say you are right mm -hmm. and i thought okay yeah. okay well and i guess i'm kind of getting off on a tangent here christine but you are so easy to talk to okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i remember at the time because it got to me because i find sometimes um you know, we, every, everyone talks about imposter syndrome, right? Right, right. And uh, I remember I was I was talking with this person, and I just thought, "Holy smokes! Like, why are we? Like, I'll use even you myself as an example. I won't say we. Why am I sometimes feeling imposter syndrome when I I was talking with this individual, and I thought." hold on here right <laughs> so then it's like okay well use this use this as a character trait right absolutely yeah cool yeah. i for my um for my evil characters i i do the same thing okay I, you know if it's someone you know who may not have the best intentions for other people yeah. i put them in i put them in print just yeah. as i do with people that i love but i'll put them in print as what I perceive them as in real life. Okay. So I'm going off one more tangent here. <laughs> Easy to talk to. So talking about characters, I, the experience I had with book two, actually, oh, okay, I stand to be corrected. The villain in book two, it was a photo I saw of a lady I know, and she just, her photo just, personified the the strength the I'm doing things my way I'm a trailblazer and that was a character those were character tricks I wanted in my villain and um oh god I'm losing my train of thought here and I'm going <laughs> off on a tangent great so okay I know what it is now yeah so what I found though was do you find with your villains that like they always say you should put a good character trait in your villain. Well, I haven't so far as put a good character trait in the villain, but I put a reasonable, like a reason and logic in to why that character did is acting that way. Right. I agree. I, you know, I, I feel like it could go either way yeah. because the way that you explain how, how you've done it, I mean, that's a great way to, you know, to be able to explain why a character is the way the character is and does the things that they do. Right. Yeah. But you also have, um, you know, with my characters, like in the, this, the new book, yeah, the, the, the bad guy. <laughs> yeah you know, you're going to feel bad. You're not going to really know how to feel about him by the end of the book. You're not going to know if you hate him yeah. or if you, you know, want to punch him in the face yeah. or if you want to hug him and, and, and tell him everything's going to be okay. <laughs> so I, I think it really all, I think they write themselves. And when it's all said and done, 
you just, as, as, as the author, you take a step back and you look and kind of see what you've created, but did we really create all of that or did like something else help us along the way? Cause yeah. we're creating fictional people. Yeah. We're, you know what I mean? And we're creating fictional worlds and to be able to do those things, it's, it's such an amazing ability. You know, we're, we're a creator of worlds. Yeah. So sometimes I just wonder, like, did we, did we do that all ourselves, yeah. or did we have a little help along the way from a muse or, you know, like yeah. did that character just maybe want to be written? Yeah. See, and what I found once I, oh God, once I gave like my villain, the, the logic for what she was doing. What I didn't expect was as me as author, I was then thinking, okay, am I going to kill going to kill her off at the end? Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, talk about mess with myself. <laughs> I just mess with my brain. <laughs> and then, so then what I had happened, so I, this is curious. I, this is neat knowing that, you know, you'll have real people. You'll, you'll, you base it off of, because this is the first time I've ever done this. Okay. <laughs> seeing someone real. And so she always had these amazing posts that were like strong and, and sexy and just, she's doing her thing. Right. right. And then the time when she posts this adorable photo of making, you know, polenchinta and Serbian food with her mother, I saw the photo and I just thought, no. <laughs> character is doing <laughs> I can't look at this <laughs> right? <laughs> right? and it goes right into what you said right about fictional worlds we create we create right right yeah. but you know I, I also am a firm believer that even like all bad characters yeah. I mean can they always just be bad you know oh, yeah. I, I feel like there is always some good yeah. somewhere yeah. inside someone, somewhere, yeah. Yeah. because you're not born bad. I mean, at least I don't think so. Yeah. But, you know, so somewhere deep down, there has to be that a little spark of goodness. Yeah. Just a small spark, you know, and it, I think that as a writer, it is kind of neat to put that little spark in there because it definitely makes things more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. So, okay. That was great. I'm glad we had our tangents. <laughs> so um, if you have children, right. Okay. So if your son or daughter was to ask for advice about wanting to be an author, what, yeah. what would you say? What would you tell well, them? It's great because I have two children still at home. I have a 17 year old and a 12 year old, um, wow, okay. two girls. and we actually sit down and write together. Um, they're very creative children, very creative. And I'm so blessed that they are. Um, so they'll write little stories and they'll let me read them and they'll, they'll ask me for constructive criticism. And so I'll let them read what I'm working on and I let them give me constructive criticism. So um, as a mother, I find it very important to embrace their creativity and help build it because, you know, the world is the world. Let's, let's be honest is it's in a, in, in a weird place. Yeah. So <laughs> the, 
you know, to be able to raise these beautiful, you know, children, I want them to be strong, creative women and to go out into the world and give the world a little bit of their light and their love and creativity because every little bit of creativity counts in the world nowadays. So that's, you know, that's one of the things I've, I've been blessed with is I have very creative, beautiful, beautiful daughters. So yes. So it's, it is, it's nice. Um, you know, that they're proud of their mom and I'm really proud of them. Yeah. I, well, personally, I don't think you look old enough to have a 17 year old, but that's just, just <laughs> I have a 23 year old son also. Oh, <laughs> so. <laughs> but thank you. I found oh. the time of you. It's about a week ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay. So one of my favorite questions and I did, I want to make sure I don't lose track of asking you what's coming next. Okay. So I'm just scribbling what I have paper here, scribbling down here. um, So I don't lose track. Favorite question. And I'm actually going to let you pick the character. Okay. So Angelina Adams, uh, Nikolai, any other character meets you at the edge of the crimson forest. What would that character say to you? Well, I would meet Angelina. Okay. Um, I would meet her because I feel like it would be really neat to see my alter ego. Okay. And if I met her on the the stone steps um, that entered the forest, I would hug her first. I wouldn't even get a chance to do anything. I would just hug her and tell her that she's beautiful and she's strong. Um, and then she would tell me to enter the forest at my own risk. (laughs) You know, if we went into the forest, we would just hold hands and we would just, we would walk into the forest together. You know, I just, I, I feel like that's one of the toughest things, um, to remember is that, you know, we are strong. and you know we we can do anything we set our mind to and that's it's just so easy to forget things like that so that's one of the first things I would do because she's very um humble yeah and she has she struggles with her existence and finding herself so that's why I would just hug her I tell her she's beautiful and remind her that no matter what problem life may throw at her, she will always be strong enough to face them head on. That is a great, great answer. Great message. Jeez. Okay. Okay. So Christine, where can people, I've got my pen ready. Where can people find you on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter okay. at um, Christine Gabrie. So it's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-G-A-B-R-I-E. There's no L because it wouldn't fit. (laughs) (laughs) I am on Facebook um, under author Christine Gabriel. And I'm on Instagram as Christine Gabriel 31. And then you can visit me at my website at www.christine-gabriel.com. Christine dash Gabriel.com. Okay. Okay. This has been a really cool, really cool discussion. Wow. I agree. I agree. Um, so what, what's, what's next? Like you, I know you've mentioned book four, but what's, yes. what's, what's, what's coming up? 
Well, I'm going to finish book three and then send it off to the publisher who has been waiting, waiting a very long time for this book. Um, and then book four, and then I'm going to have a giant party just to celebrate the life of the Crimson Chronicle series. That's and then I'm going to you know, close that chapter and open up a brand new one and start with the Shepherd's Clock. That's a great idea. That's a great idea to have a party. I, I'm all for parties for in books, <laughs> right? <laughs> that one yeah oh. thank you christine and i hope you come back on like oh, I I would love you. this has okay. been a pleasure i'm i'm thank you thank you for having me oh great okay well have a good afternoon i will and you do the same yeah yeah <laughs> bye bye <laughs>